0: OK, we are now live recording it is our postgame fireside for the horrendous, absolutely god awful performance that we saw against the Baylor Bears. Yeah, that was brutal.
1: Um, you know, the the biggest thing, and I've said this in a few different places today, a few different articles, a few different places, but the most shocking, the most concerning, alarming, whatever word you want to use thing that I saw had nothing to do with scheme, it didn't have to do with any play calls or anything like that. It had everything to do with just an abysmal showing of effort and heart, like those players quit, and that that was what was concerning to me now i I get that you know Baylor was big, they were fast right and, and there was an element of. They beat BYU, and maybe even if BYU was playing their best, those big, fast Baylor players still win. But BYU quit, and you could kind of see it. Like, there was no juice on the sideline. There was no juice for many players. Like, there, nobody was fired up. Nobody was, nobody was anything. Like, even after that big, long Jaron Hall touchdown run, I think that's why you saw Kalani so animated on the sideline because he could sense it that his team was flat, there was nothing there and and that was his way of trying to get that group fired up and, and that to me is is the most concerning thing going forward is what the heck is going on uh and, and why does this team just have no juice right now
0: yeah. yeah, and I think it kind of confirms in you know kind of some of what we talked about last week, right is that it seems like on the defensive side of the ball there's no leadership and we really saw that because it wasn't you know I've seen people complaining about the scheme and you know whatever qualms you may have about the scheme or the approach of the defense that is not that was not the problem on Saturday right like it was no matter what you do it didn't matter how many guys we stacked in the box no matter what you do if you are three yards back on roller skates as soon as the ball is snapped you're not going to have a good time right and and so Baylor had
1: 60% 60% of their rushing yards came after contact. 60%. Man. That's an insane number. They had 182 yards of rushing after contact. That's just bananas. That's Derrick Henry numbers.
0: Right, and so, and it's, you know, you can look at, oh, well, we, you know, even two with like the third downs, right? Like we say, oh, we're at on third down. Okay, well, it's not like that. They had that one like thirty-five yard run or whatever down the sideline. It's like it's all like the coaching staff told Chaz Ayu to miss that tackle,
1: right. right? Like
0: and and so it's guys are in position. And even I posted um, on, I posted on the uh, in our game thread for this week of or I don't remember which channel of Kalani's press availability today. And reading between the lines, like you could tell that he was pissed, right? Like and he said he was bugged by how soft the offensive and defensive lines looked. He was, you know, he said that, you know, like it was embarrassing how they performed. He mentioned and said that there's a lack of player leadership on defense. Like it was about as close as you can get in the press availability media coach speak to like screaming at the top of his lungs in a rage of fury because of how frustrated he was with how everything went on.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the best way to say it. Like he... He said all of the things in coach speak that we've all seen, right? Like soft and undisciplined. Uh, those were the kinds of things the fans say. And, and Kalani said, uh, we didn't tackle well. We couldn't shed blocks. I think his direct quote was, I mean, he was asked a question, and I can't remember exactly how it was asked, but something about, you know, what, what, what did he see on the defense? And, and his words were, I mean, there were 11 guys on the field but I didn't think we tackled well. I didn't think we played or got off blocks very well. And I didn't think we were very physical. And that's surprising to say. Like, that's the coach way of saying, yeah, there were 11 guys on the field that shouldn't have been there. Like, right. it, it, was, it was bad. It was soft. And we saw that a little bit from, uh, from BYU against Boise. That they just looked soft. And, and I and think that's two some weeks up. in a row. That's scary.
0: And I think some of it is possibly, you know, just because of depth, right? Like there is a, a lot of depth more in the program than when Kalani took over, but in th- in the trenches specifically, those have been the weak spots where, where there's not a lot of depth on this roster. You know, we talked about like, okay, when Harris Lachance went down, it was like, okay, well, we can't really risk losing another lineman. And when it's like, hey, LeChance and Tukuwafu are both out. We really can't risk anybody. So now practice goes from we're feisty. We're mean, we're getting after it. and, now it's okay well we have to take things a little lighter we can't do we can't tackle in practice we got to just go wrap up or we got to go touch because we can't risk another injury so now your heavy focus practice really physical you know iron sharpens iron becomes well we kind of got to go through the motions and we're too young of a team right now to do that there's too many young guys and then even like you said you know 11 guys on the field and i know guys more banged up right like we saw um jared or john i don't remember his first name paulu right who's a freshman jacob. walk jacob paulu's a freshman walk-on from Timpview. he went in for three plays and on his third play he tore his acl and he's done for the year right or mcl whatever tore up something in his knee and you know i think at that point in the game it's kind of like they're looking at clearing the bench of like okay the starters don't want to do it. Okay. Let everybody on the every single defensive lineman on the roster. You're going to get your chance. Like it just do not get blown backwards. Right. And it's not, especially at the defensive tackle spot, because you can have, you know, like you don't have to be Aaron Donald, you don't have to be, you know, Nick or Joey Bosa to be an incredible defensive lineman. Right. You can, especially on the interior, just don't get pushed around on your ground. Yeah. Like, you know, don't, you're stronger, right? You're supposed to just be strong and be squatty, get decent leverage. And, you know, that's when you talk about like a run fit, right? You don't really see much of a gap defense anymore where it's like, this is your ground no matter what, because everything is going to zone. So if you are dead set on being in a gap, they'll just run around you. So kind of the defensive opposite of a, you know, of many of a zone play is a run fit. Where it's like, you just need to get cross face and kind of, and not even be available to tackle, right? Like you just need to get your butt in space. Like if you're, if they're trying to come at your right shoulder, you just need to get your butt on the outside of that. Uh, You need to get your butt turned that way, at least so you can clog up space until you get help. Right. And it's just string it out. And really, I mean, that's even what we've seen, right. With our other offensive struggles running the ball. Is, you know, they're not blowing up and getting Tyler Algier for a loss in the backfield, making some huge play. It's they're just getting stringing it out down the line saying, Hey, eventually you're going to have a room and you're going to run into someone with a different color jersey and you're going to get tackled. That's all Baylor did on Saturday. Right. And so it's we just and it's not hard. And it's just it, it really is, especially on the interior of the offensive and defensive line. It's just attitude. Cause even you look at the pass blocking. We still did a really good job. The pass blocking, that's technique, that's talent, that's speed. But run blocking, it's just getting a hat on a hat and who's a bigger man. And that's really where the change in the last three weeks, you know, from the ASU game to now has been just like, or I guess the last four weeks, it's just been night and day. Um, I did turn on the request the, uh, request to speak. So if you want to raise your hand, we can get the queue going. Um as Jeff and I keep going here and we can get some of y'all's thoughts on um on the air here but i mean i just i hope we see you know i've i've heard that there are some conversations today um i think Kalani is not the only coaching staff uh, there was some uh let me find there was a quote from elisa Tuyaki. um to do, do, do uh where did it go um I mean, he, it, said, it, he, said, he said he said losing Keenan Pilly in game three for the season has been difficult. he said quote I feel like we are beating up defense that's just kind of surviving and he said um and so you know I think it's it's not just Kalani that's upset like it's the entire defensive staff is upset and it's like you right if you get beat you get beat but it's like you can't get beat on effort that's the one thing that's unacceptable right because like you know work is free you can your effort that you have like that doesn't cost anything you don't have you know everybody can has like you can have that fanatical effort but the defense right now especially it looks the about exact opposite of tyler Algier chasing, chasing down marilyn robertson
1: uh yeah i mean and and so does the offense right like everybody is and and i think this is kind of a it kind of speaks to how how poorly the defense played, I guess, but but there's been a lot of people that are saying, "Hey, the offense wasn't the problem. The offense wasn't the problem." And that might have been true. But at the end of the day, the offense scored twenty four points. And, and really, it was seventeen until Baylor went into a three d prevent mode, right? And, and allowed that last touchdown. The offense did some nice things, but the offense wasn't good either. The we running run game
0: the We haven't run the ball for two weeks, well,
1: yeah, the the running games it, it's dead. And it's hard to pin it all on Tyler Algier. It, 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 a lot of it is blocking. A lot of it is all of that. The offensive line, we, we I feel like we've already beat that horse. They've got to play better, play more physical. But a lot of it is on Algier. Like, the guy is being counted on to be the workhorse. And he's showing that he's slowing down a lot. Now, we could blame the coaches, right? Like, And they absolutely are at fault for not for seemingly going out of their way to not distribute the ball among all of the running backs in the running back room. Uh, Lopini Katoa, I don't think he had a single carry. He had the flea flicker that went awry that was kind of a carry, but that was it. Uh, I think he's only had like five carries in the last two weeks. Algier has been the guy. We haven't seen anything from McChesney or Ropati or anybody else on that roster, and that's a problem. And I think that's contributing to Algier wearing down. But as long as he's out there and as long as he's healthy, he has to play better. He has to hit holes harder, especially when the offensive line isn't playing well and the holes aren't as big and as glaring as they were last year. Algier needs to be a little bit more decisive. He needs to get back to that one-cut running back that punishes defenders who are trying to tackle him because right now, the offensive line, they're not able to string out these runs and open up gaps for him to be patient and you know have a cutback that that he sees the opposite side of the field. It's just not there. So he's got to get back to running downhill and, and kind of creating his own luck. And it, it, it really, I don't know, man. I mean, it really is just kind of an indictment of the physicality of the entire team right now. Everybody just looks disinterested. And soft, and I don't know, I, I, I can't figure out why. But that's that's got to be the worst thing a football team can hear—that they look soft. And if that doesn't change, if they don't, you know, if those players don't hear Kalani talk about how pissed off he is and about how lack, you know, how untough they looked, I don't know what what will change their mind. I mean, at some point, these players have to find it within themselves to play for the guy next to them. And that's what Tyler Algier did against Arizona State. I wrote a big, long article about it, right? That that play, everybody in their minds, when he ran down and punched that ball out from, uh, of Merlin Robertson's hands, when Merlin Robertson picked that ball off, everybody had written that play off as a pick six. It was done. But because of just pure effort, Algier made it down the field, punched the ball loose, Hall was there to pick it up, and it totally changed the momentum of the game. And that was pure effort. And I have not seen anything that even sort of resembles that level of effort in the last two weeks.
0: Yeah, definitely. And even, I mean, sometimes you do get beat. Like I was at dinner tonight talking about, you know, the catch that Khalil Shakir had down near the goal line against Boise state, right? Like that's tight coverage. He had two guys in there. It was just a good ball. He jumped up, laid out backwards and made a fingertip grab. Okay. That Mm -hmm. happens, right? Like freak plays happen, but do you get up and recover afterwards like against Boise right we had those three fumbles that sucks it was wet fumbles happened you got to bounce back but there was nothing like there was no we fumbled the ball the defense did not come out and say hey what you put it on the ground we don't care we'll get it right back we have your back we'll get it for you or when the defense was struggling on you know on Saturday there was no real urgency from the offense, right? Like there was no, Right. really it's like we had Puka and that we had Puka and one Jaron Hall run. That was the, that was the entire offense on Saturday. Tyler Algier averaged like 2.2 yards a carry or something like that. And it was, you know, like you said, instead of being downhill punishing defenders, it was, we're trying, we're getting strung out to the sideline and running out of room when he's kind of putting his head down and getting a yard and a half. And it's not, it it just it doesn't the effort is not there and i don't and i think a lot of that is because it's you know it starts with player leadership right you can come out of the gate you can have a good game plan in the season when everyone's healthy you're not really feeling it you're not banged up you've got big games and you know you're hyped and it's easy to be hyped up but then when the going gets tough do you have someone to kind of rally the troops and that's what i think is the biggest thing missing from from this team um we do have uh, a couple people here and let's see first uh we got bengal coog i don't is your news i don't know uh i don't know what your real name is but let's get you onto the stage here it's a uh, here it should pull you in um in a second but the yeah the biggest thing is just the effort and it seems just so foreign from what we saw a month ago from the same team yeah
2: My uh my name is Anna wilkinson uh, can you hear
0: me? Yeah, we can hear you, Ben.
2: So um, I'm really pleased with many different, many position groups at the depth of the roster. Pretty much all of them except for defensive line. So I went in and uh, just using the 24 um, 7 recruiting um, kids that had uh, signed are committed to the program and and I just highlighted that ones that were just listed as defensive tackles only on the um, recruiting rankings from 2016 going forward and I counted five total names um and that's just not enough bodies for the defensive line especially the, the nose tackle the nose guard and I know I realize it's not a glamorous glamorous position in a 3-4 scheme but but you've got to you've got to commit more bodies to that position. Uh, du- I in my opinion, it's got to be double that number with missions, and the guys that I just quickly um came up with were uh I put them down here. Give me just a second. All right, Mahe... and for uh, forgive me if I mispronounce this, but. Fiva Laki, which is he's no longer with the program, Kyrus Tonga, Havae, who's on, I believe he was on a mission, and then Wolf Ram from East High School, and he's even listed as a linebacker. That's five total. And then I counted the number of um, strong side defensive ends, and the, and there were eight listed. That doesn't count the weak side defensive ends in the recruiting uh, hard commit. Sign category, and I just—that's just not enough bodies. They—they they really need to to change the uh allocation of scholarships at that position. And my frustration is for—for for the last twenty plus years at Seattle, Utah, you can you can go to come to Utah, and you can get always get a three technique defensive end, or excuse me, defensive tackle. They go on trees. And really, that's the one position that has disappointed. I thought, I didn't think we'd get like the number number one, uh, four or five star polys at that position. We're, we're not even getting the second or third tier guys. That's really all I had to say. I just, I'm really disappointed at, at, with their emphasis on defensive line recruiting.
0: Awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: It's a problem. Um, it's a problem, and I'll say it's a problem for probably uh, reasons different than than what you kind of just laid out there. Um, because I think that from a pure numbers standpoint, they have bodies. I, I mean, they really do. It, 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 the problem has come in talent evaluation, and, and that's really. That's really where the, I see the issue lying when it comes to defensive line. Everything you said is true, uh, except for they, they have allocated a lot of scholarships there, but they're going to guys who just aren't making a difference. Uh, I mean, just kind of rolling through the roster here. Uh, Pepe Tanuvasa, Alex Muti, Alden Tofa, Fawatea, Leotawa, uh Mahe, Earl Tuyoni Mariner, Batty, Nelson, Hawes, Summers, Pelemy, like that's twelve guys uh, at the defensive line that are all on scholarship this year for for a team that plays a three four front, and, and then some high contributing walk ons. They have a ton of numbers. They just aren't good. I mean, and that's that's where the issue has been. Now they're banged up a little bit. Gabe Summers has struggled. Lorenzo Fauate was out. Uh, they've they've dealt with some some injuries, right? But at a pure talent standpoint, BYU just doesn't cut it. They have guys that can be talented if they are at their best. Like they can make a difference when they're at their best. But when they're at their worst or when they're not giving it their all, they don't have just the raw talent to carry them. To a a contributing type of a an effort, a contributing game. I, I look. I, I made this comparison. I think on on our one of our Discord channels earlier this week. But I look at like Mika Tafua at Utah. Like he was a highly rated commit, right? Like at BYU, signed with BYU. He was a big deal. He ended up going to Utah, and, and he hasn't really lived up to the hype. But he has enough natural talent that even though he's been disappointing he can still be a productive player. Now obviously he doesn't play D tackle, he plays D end. Uh, so it's not an exact comparison to what you're talking about. But what I'm saying is that that he's a guy who has enough natural talent that even if he's not on his A game, he's at least serviceable. But BYU right now, they're they're throwing out guys like Blake Mangelson and John Nelson and and you know Gabe Summers and and uh, just you know, list the names. Earl Tuioti, Mariner that they can be productive players, but they everything has to be going right. And if things aren't going right, or they don't have their A game, their natural talent is not going to carry them throughout 60 minutes of a game. They will be exposed. And there's just too many of that, or too much of that on Billy's roster, too many of those guys that are the, the try-hard type of a guy. You need those players. They're the glue that holds your roster together. You absolutely have to have them But they cannot be the foundation that holds your roster together. They have to be the glue. And at the defensive line, those try-hard type guys have become the foundation. And more than any schematic problem, more than anything that, you know, rushing three and dropping eight, more than anything that Elisa Tuiaki has done, uh, his talent evaluation scares me the most going forward. I think that has been his biggest blunder thus far in his BYU tenure.
0: And a, and a lot of it is just like, hey, we're six years into this and you're having in the rotations. And, you know, there's been some injuries, right? Like Lorenzo Taufet, uh, Fautea has struggled with injuries. Yurai Leatawa has struggled with injuries. Alden Tofa hasn't panned out to what everyone had hoped he would be. Longitui Fua had to retire from football and is doing Lifetime movies now, right? You know, he's, which the, is we're kind awesome. Of, <laughs> it's awesome for him. But the, it's kind of who we would have expected to be the headliners of this are not there. And so now having guys like Mangelson, Nelson, Gabe Summers, Fisher Jackson, those are all like, they're. We're, it's not just starting walk-ons who grew into it. It's like, it's all freshmen and sophomores, Young, it's underclassmen yeah. walk-ins. And it's like, they could develop into something great, but they are still very much a work in progress. And and like you said, in kind of going back to the effort, it's like, you know, you can have those guys plugged in there, and but the the kind of leadership aspect or the effort of it. Like if you're going to be that guy, you just have to be outworked. And that's how, you know, the best team wins, but the best team doesn't always have the best players, right? Like it matters. Like you can have tons of talented guys, but then it's like, they aren't bought in, they slack off, you know, and it's just, they don't work together. They don't trust the guy next to them. So they go out of their assignment and, because they think the guy next to him is going to screw up and then they end up screwing over both of them. Right. Like it's, you know, all of those things factor in and it's just, we're not seeing that cohesive unit. Uh, we got here, let's get Derek. Miles has been waiting or, sorry, Derek. Miles Bradley has been waiting, uh, in the queue for a while. Um, I think you're our most faithful commentator here. <laughs> you're basically your reg- regular guest on the show. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, it says he's connected, but I don't hear him. Jeff, do you hear him? I
1: I also don't hear him.
0: Oh no! I think you're muted hey, or something.
1: Faith is not carrying you through. Like you're a faithful commenter, but something's going on here.
3: Um.
0: Still, still not it. Okay, sorry, man. We're gonna have to move you back. Um, we do have Corley also waiting in line here. Um. Our, our resident coach on the staff. Yeah, of course. Corley's coming
1: goal. to tell us all the
0: reasons that we're wrong. I'm sure of it. I mean, that's, yeah. If someone, if someone calls me on my shit, I'm fine with that. I deserve it.
3: Yeah, let's start completely over because I don't know where you guys were going with that. No, just kidding. Uh, so going along with the calling out D line and everything, my thoughts keep turning to, the linebackers. Like, BYU is known for having all these badass linebackers. Even if they can't recruit DBs or anything or great D linemen, they always have great linebackers. But who's the great linebackers right now? Like, I, I know, know Keenan Peeley got hurt. Um, Peyton Wilgar is a really good player, but honestly, like, PFF and kind of how he's been grading out on that. He's a good fourth linebacker, not just the stud that could carry the team. And then you got all these other guys. uh, What's his name? Bywater got exposed really bad this week. He's been getting all these tackles, but he's been, I mean, kind of cleaning up some empty stats in in my opinion, but. Yeah, that was the most surprising thing to me is the linebackers like, geez, we've never had just like dominating D lines, but there's been really badass linebackers kind of making up for it. And that, that stands out just as much to me as the D line, honestly.
0: And I think that kind of goes back to Keenan Peely being, you know, he was underappreciated as the glue that kept everything together because Wilgar is great in coverage, but he's so, so against the run. And Ben Bywater is probably the best tack, pure tackler on the team, but he really struggles in coverage and he gets out of position. He's still very, he's green, right? Like, I mean, he's a freshman, right? We And it's when you're talking about, oh, if, you know, Ben Bywater now, it's, you're talking about him and Wilgar being our best two linebackers and you're counting on a freshman, you know, that's still needs a lot of time in the program. That's not, and it's not like, you know, he's Calvin Noy, four star, five star coming in. It's, you know, that's a big it's a lot to put on his shoulders and it's he's he's growing he's getting better but he did get exposed and it's and so i do think that's a very good point of the linebackers coming back um and just it's it's kind of collectively the front 7 especially against the run um the linebackers do do a good job in coverage um uh, but they collectively especially when we get chaz kind of moved down and we have some other you know we kind of have more options than we're used to, especially on the back end um, at safety in the corner positions. But in Caleb Hayes has really stepped up the last couple of weeks, but that in the entire front seven is just, it's a struggle right now yeah. across the and board. It, take, for the,
3: it takes Chaz from being one of the best players to just being an average player on the field.
0: Yeah. So that's true, Cause I it doesn't, he's, he's going to do too much and he's trying to like making him, we've been putting him, we've been moving Chaz down to play linebacker, to try to get the best combination of eleven on the field, but doing that is at a huge expense of what Chaz can do as a safety by because he's playing out of position. And I don't think, I mean, it's a kind of it's a testament to how good Chaz is, but also if your best linebacker is a con, middle is a converted safety that's playing way undersized, then that probably doesn't speak well to the your linebacking core as a whole.
1: There, there's a philosophical element there that has me a little bit worried, and it, it has to do kind of Garrett with what you just said there at the end. Like Chaz is playing linebacker and he's way undersized, but he's about the same size as Max Tooley. He's about the same size as Drew Jensen. He's about the same size as Ben Bywater. Like BYU's linebackers as a whole are Does he feel smaller much. than.
0: Him? Is it just in my mind because he's a safety? Am I imagining? I, he's
1: a little smaller. It's not much. I mean, Chaz plays safety. He's a big safety. He plays at like 210, 215. And most of these linebackers are playing between 220 and 225. Like, it, it's not like this crazy big difference. And that has been intentional. Like, BYU has gone out of their way to recruit speed over size. And they have missed out on guys like Trey Reynolds. Uh, just this last year, who's now... I don't know if he's starting yet at Utah, but he's doing some good things, and, and certainly in their rotation. He was an LDS kid out of Arizona, linebacker, 235 pounds as a senior in high school. Traditional linebacker size, built a lot like Keenan Peely. And and when you look at even Keenan Peely himself, like he's big, he's built like those traditional linebackers. That's what BYU is missing. They just don't have linebackers who have that size, right? Like Josh Wilson is a guy who could be in the two or three deep. He's six foot, 210, 215 pounds. He's just not big. And so many of these guys, now I do think BYU has size coming in the pipeline. Guys like Bodie Schoonover are are going to be big thumpers, kind kind of like Keenan Peely is. But they just don't have a lot of size right now. And I think we're seeing some of the issues there that that these smaller linebackers, when they play big, physical, running-based teams, they get exposed in a pretty big way. They can hang with Arizona State. They can hang with Utah, who who is going to try to just play their receivers primarily, or their tight ends rather, play them primarily as receivers, right? or or Arizona State, who's going to try to spread everybody out and let a mobile quarterback do his thing. It's great to have speedy linebackers there. But when you get a Baylor team who's going to be willing to just hand the ball off nonstop and, and, and run with big, heavy packages, BYU's linebackers, they just get eliminated completely. That front seven is a mess. And, and I, I, Kalani said it in his press conference today, he said, hey, we might have still lost to Baylor. They may have still won that game, but it should not have looked the way that it looked. And that, to me, is the most concerning part, why I keep coming back to effort, is, is BYU may have gotten beat. Those linebackers may just be too small. Those defensive linemen may just not be good enough. But the way that they got beat was more than, than anything else, and it's, it's just so disappointing to see.
0: Definitely. Um, and I let's try to get Derek back in here. Um, and then we will wrap up. The in in I think especially with what Kalani said, the way we got beaten, it's like it should not look the way it is. That should be like the most cutting like every player on the team, I hope they should hear that sound by it. and it's like that's like, you know, when your mom, like she doesn't yell at you. She just said she was very disappointed in you and kind of gave you the look and you're just like, Oh, I screwed up big time. Right? Like that was that's the coach version of that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see, Derek. It says you are connected. This is our last shot, man. If your mic's <laughs> not working today, it's not meant to be, and it's not working. So, Jeff, it's been a good. Uh, it's been. It's been a good episode. Um, I think we got it out. We do have. I guess we kind of touch on uh, the Washington State situation here in the last couple of minutes. If you have been living under a rock and have not heard yet. Um, Washington State's head coach Nick Rolovich has been fired for cause and along with four offensive assistants, including former BYU offensive line coach Mark Weber. Um, so that leaves just their offensive coordinator. Uh, was the only, They had one offensive assistant that is left on the staff. Uh, if the defense doesn't look good against a team that has one offensive coach on Saturday, <laughs> then we will have some serious, serious problems. You know, like, uh, you can't get out coached by air, right? Like it's <laughs> you,
1: you can't, but on the other hand, uh, Corley and I were talking about this a little bit earlier today. Uh, how loose, I mean, there's no coach who's going to come down on this team. Washington state could just play loose. Like it might be a little bit of a Madden script that Jane is just running four verts every play, but they're going to play loose. They're going to play free. Uh, BYU defensively is going to have to be fundamentally sound because uh, coach or no coach, they have talent. And uh, it could be a scary game if they get hot early and they have some confidence without a coach. That could be yeah. a bad, bad formula for BYU.
0: It could be sometimes when you have these, you know, these weird games like this, it kind of seems like it goes one way or the other. There's no real middle ground, right? Like it's either... It's gonna be kind of a similar game to what we saw this last Saturday against Baylor in the whole feel of the game, or it'll be like a BYU blowout. Like it, it won't. I don't think there will be a real middle ground with it. Um, and the going back to what you said about the linebackers, right? At least like where the size, the speed, it is a better matchup than what Baylor provides provided and so i mean we'll get on to all this on wednesday but the, my biggest disappointment though is that because they had an offensive is the one coach who has left and then they also had a co-offensive is one of the assistants who let go i'm really sad that it wasn't the entire offensive staff and then you get some like 25 year old grad assistant yeah. <laughs> in there just running the show just like hey who cares? I'm like I fell into this position. This is gonna be wild and I'm just gonna shoot my shot and becomes like the college football Sean McVay of just like we're doing every, I don't care. I'm throwing the whole book out the window. I'm doing things the way I wanna do it because it's different and I like it. Like I'm kinda sad we won't get this. I do think the funniest rumor that is floating around is that Washington State is going to hire June Jones to coach them for the rest of the season because he can keep the run and shoot going. That's I mean, probably, that's probably why not go get Clay Hilton
1: when right? you're already a sideshow, you might as well just embrace it. Right.
0: I mean, actually hire June Jones is a respected coach. So it'd probably bring better press to the school than anything else right now. <laughs> um, but so that is something, uh, to yet to be determined of what that, that will look like. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's definitely the weirdest situation that I've ever seen an entire staff go out. And also it's weird to me that none of the defensive coaches are involved. It's just purely offense. Yeah, that is weird. I, yeah, and it... also, and like, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that with like all the other coaches that thought surely, you know, somebody would be like, Hey, uh, well, I'm going to go get the shot, not say anything. Cause this will be, this will be my time to shine. Right? Uh, like maybe the, I, 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 I can get my, I'm the youngest assistant here. Everyone else is going to get canned. And maybe that's me.
1: what that one guy did. Like, it was like an offensive coach pact that they were they were not going to get vaccinated. And then the one guy was like, yeah, we're not going to do it. But then he quietly went and, and got vaccinated and, you know, surprisingly showed his vaccine card today when they were handing out firings to everybody else
0: that may have been it we do have one last uh, request to speak we're going to bring on danny holmgren uh and then we will match up just because danny is a very good friend of the show i think jeff you actually met danny today so you so danny has met jeff i still have never met jeff but danny is a part of our vip sponsors program if you will um so if you are in if you're in the anywhere along the wasash front you can go to watchshades.com and Danny will give you a discount if you are a Give him Help Brigham VIP subscriber. So we're not—he's not paying us for advertising. It's just he likes us. So if you help us out, he will help you out—the transitive helping of hands. Um, so let's see how long Discord takes to connect Danny here. I clicked the button, um, and so yeah, I. I'm, maybe that was what happened, but it was the, the coordinator. He was the coordinator under um he was the coordinator under Rolovich at uh he was the coordinator under Rolovich at Hawaii in there. So they've been together for a while. Okay, Danny, you're with us live.
4: Yeah, Garrett, I just gotta tell you, you you typically are spot on with most of your takes, but your inexperience about the true history of football is starting to show here when you're wanting all of the offensive coaches to be gone, you're forgetting that, that back in 1999, Wes Canaan's football team came out without any coaches after halftime. And uh, they, they kicked coach Bud Kilmer to the, to the curb. And uh, Mox uh, came in along with Tweeter and led, uh, led West Canaan to a big comeback. So that's exactly what I would fear happening if we went to a scenario of basically having no experienced coaches on Washington State is that they would basically come out and what's Kane in our
0: ass. <laughs> yeah uh, the problem is it's the varsity blues, not the varsity red the you know the varsity reds. Although you could say it's the varsity Palouse. Maybe that's the uh Ooh. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the the pun of the week. Dang, maybe we might need to rename our game thread now. I'm just saying <laughs> that is an apt observation. Uh, and I have not seen that movie in, like, 15 years. So, <laughs> uh, and I completely forgot. I kind of want to go watch it now. Um, but, J- Danny, do you have any th- other serious thoughts to share?
4: No, that uh, was literally it. Uh, you guys are at the end of the show, so I, I just had to correct <laughs> you the, the errant ways of your thinking.
0: Well, I, I appreciate it, and I'm glad we could end on that, because, you know, that really... I deserve to be put in my spot every once in a while, and I deserve. I deserve. That was a very apt call out because I'm. I'm sure other people have made the reference. I haven't been on Twitter much or anything this afternoon, but it was. It, it, that does tie actually back into what you know Jeff and Corley were talking about. That maybe they just come out and say, you know what, screw it, we don't care. Let's see what happens. Yikes! <laughs> Big yikes! Uh, so it it has been a good episode. I'm. Um, I'm excited about to see what changed it sounds like there were some uh it it sounds like there have been some real heart-to-heart conversations inside the program today about the effort specifically and I think kind of what we saw from you know in the press today kind of it, it bled over right and it's like okay if that's what's getting leaked out imagine what it was like on the inside um and so I you know, we will hopefully see a change this week, and uh, at least we see at least some more fanatical effort. Um, you know, there just really it comes down to they're not giving them hell, and that that's that's the real whole point of the show is that we need everyone needs to give them hell, and Brigham at the moment is not giving anybody hell, and that's it's a, pro- a problem.
1: It's a big problem. Um, the last thing I want to say, and we'll, we'll probably talk about it more on our show on Wednesday but I did say or I did write about Red Barn. I have been working with Red Barn. We're going to try to do some advertising for them and and you know, not paid, all volunteer type stuff. Red Barn Academy out of uh, Farrington, Utah. One of the most incredible organizations I've ever worked with. Uh they were our movers. They strictly deal with people who are struggling with addiction who are in the criminal system like they'll actually call jails and try to get people who have been uh, charged with drug-related crimes or even assault in certain instances. They will try to work a deal out with the jail, with the judges of whatever city. They'll go across the country. They, They focus here locally, but they will go everywhere in the country. And they will try to bring men into their program. It's a therapeutic rehab center where they try to build people back up and and help them become functioning members of society. I spent a lot of time with them over this past week. Uh, I missed the first half of the game because I was at a, uh, an event that Red Barn was putting on. If you're moving anytime in the near future, please call Red Barn because, my gosh, what an incredible company. All of the proceeds go right back into their program, the founder of the program, his son died of a, of an overdose about 10 years ago and the dad decided he was going to turn that tragedy into something special sold a ton of land has invested millions of dollars into this facility now they can now hold up to 120 men and they they just announced uh, over the weekend plans for another red barn that's that's their bunkhouse uh, where they can bring up to potentially a hundred more men to to help build members back into society and rehab. Uh, I I'm making it my life mission to tell everybody I I talk to about Red Barn, and hopefully we could find ways to get them involved with with GEHB going forward because they are an unbelievable company.
0: Also, awesome. I mean they do need to paint the barn blue. But it's true. in this circumstance, we will allow it. Um, and so, give again, give Red Barn Academy a shout out. I think you said they were very affordable. Like by moving standards, they were cheap. Like in, so I ended it's up,
1: not, yeah. I mean, I ended up paying seven hundred and fifty bucks for them to move my house. I mean, it was four guys for, for five hours. It was it was incredibly cheap by mover standards.
0: Yep. And back to just its effort. Just got to show up. You can get good things happen when you just show up and are willing to put in the work. And uh, so thank you everybody for joining in and we will be back on Wednesday with our Wednesday night. So it'll get released late Wednesday, early Thursday morning with our regular show. And until then, Jeff, give them hell. Give them hell.